And we are live from the Empire of Lies, an oasis of truth, diversity of opinion, free speech, and great conversation in the vast, barren, and freaking hot wasteland that is the New World Order. I'm Lee Strahan. This is the backstory. And is it freaking hot where you are, Rod? Yeah, it's pretty hot today, Lee. It's pretty hot today, high 90s. Yeah, I was seeing that the, uh, they, they say over 100 million people in the U.S., that's, I think, a third of us, uh, are in very hot heat advisory weather from all the way from New Mexico to Texas to places in the Midwest to New England. So I'm not surprised you got hit with some of that heat rod, right? That's correct, Lee, and uh, it's an emergency. So, uh, you know, like President Biden said, we have to declare an emergency. Yes, that's why I brought it up, because we'll play a clip very shortly. And also Europe getting hit. We talked yesterday, 104 in London, 104 degrees, and they've never had it that hot. And they don't have, not only do they not have ice, Carmine thought, in their beverages, but they don't have air conditioning. A lot of places in England don't have any air conditioning. Can you imagine? Uh, no, you know, they're surrounded by a body of water, so I, I would, you know, I've never been to, London, uh, to England, you have, but I would believe since you're surrounded by a body of water, it gets pretty humid. And let's hope, you know, because it's an old facility, let's hope Belmarsh is okay. Let's hope, let's hope and pray and think good thoughts for Julian Assange suffering in a I'll say medieval, but it's probably not historically accurate. But in a big stone prison, Belmarsh can't be fun. Can you imagine, Rod? No, I don't want to be in prison. I can't imagine being in prison, especially uh, with no air conditioning. Yes, and so let's let's hope for Julian Assange. Let's all think good thoughts for him. We have a great show you put together for us today, Rod. First, we are very proud and privileged to have an old friend of mine publisher of one of the most read conservative websites, news sites in America. The publisher of Gateway Pundit, Jim Hoff, will be joining us. And I understand, Rod, you told me, that's why I understand. He's just back from England, correct? Uh, that's correct, Lee. And uh, I guess once we talk to, talk to him in the second hour, we can get uh, get his details of how, how that went. Yes. By the way, did you hear, speaking of uh, miserable, did you hear that's down to two people to fill in for Bojo to take over the prime minister's job? Did you see that? Yeah, Lee, and uh, last time Ian was on, you know, I was telling you that uh, it seems like Liz Truss is going to be the one, and it's down, it's down to the wire. That's right. Liz Truss, England's idiot foreign minister, and she is stupid. She's not only a shill. By the way, Zelensky's got to be thrilled by that. Because Liz Truss, if you were worried that by losing Bojo, Zelensky would lose his girlfriend, don't worry, Liz Truss will be there. And I'll come back to that 
reference in a second. But because uh, Zelensky's wife was in Washington. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, I did see Lisa was meeting with the first lady. Yes, and she's uh, she's all in for weapons. She likes a big missile. You follow me, Rod? She was begging for missiles and other weaponry in Congress. What is it about that family? They really like coming over or sending messages and say, give us weapons. Doesn't she know the Democrats don't like weapons? Unless it's missiles to Ukrainians. But she was speaking in front of Congress and of course she got a, a great reaction. But the other guy, Rishi Sunak, it's Liz Truss versus Rishi Sunak. And I've never heard of him before, but I'm trying to be able to say his name properly. He is ahead of Liz Truss. In the last vote that they had, he was ahead of her, but there's still one more round. So it's either Liz Truss or this guy Sunak. Well, apparently, I was reading, they were trying to smear him, it's weird to me, by saying he has connections with right-wing libertarians, and they were using that as an insult in the British media. And I didn't quite understand it. And he was, he was a pro-Brexit person. Liz Truss was pro-Brexit after the referendum. So the time it counted to be pro-Brexit, she was not. But then once people voted for her, she said, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I'm in favor of it. So, you know, that's a weaselly politician thing to do. Do you, do you think so, Rod? It's a typical politician thing to do, Lee. But, you know, I don't, this Liz Trust lady, she's got that look in her eye like she's just hungry to see people die. Um, you know, like you talk about, she, you talk about the uh, Zelensky's wife coming over for more weapons. Uh, you know, this is the situation in Ukraine. I also saw in the news today, Lee, I don't know if you saw that Florida was uh, having a gun back, gun back, gun buyback program, just, and they were going to send those weapons to Ukraine. So, you know, as much as we, as people praise uh, DeSantis, you know, there's still, uh, I think he's still all in on the Ukraine thing. Yes, and that's true. But if if I were to exclude people for foreign policy reasons, I would exclude everybody. But it's worth pointing out, I don't think that DeSantis, he's not my idea of a great candidate, but I think he appeals to the same people who Donald Trump appeals to. But, and, and I think he's better than Trump, actually. Actually, I think DeSantis is less egotistical and slightly, slightly smarter than Donald Trump. Can I say that? The Trump people go nuts, but Trump is crafty. Would you agree with that? Trump's not what they call book smart. He's more street smart. Is that fair to say, Rod? 100% Lee, when I walk around DC, and people in suits and pantsuits, they lack zero street smarts. You know, I see people staring at their phones, uh, walking around, not even paying attention to the surroundings. You know, somebody like Trump, Trump who's used to New York City, he pays attention to the surroundings, so he's got the street smarts. Now, let's start talking about, in the second hour, someone who is 
I guarantee you it's hot in Tennessee. Scotty Nell Hughes, great friend of the show, knows a lot about a lot. And we'll be talking to Scotty Nell Hughes in the second hour and taking your calls. First hour, first hour. What's that? First hour, you had to, you had to switch around. I got switched around. So Jim's the second hour? Correct. Okay. Good. Thanks for thanks for the correction, uh, Rod. I, I hate to get that wrong, but I'm going by memory here, and my memory's faulty. So, 202-521-1320 are great callers. My girlfriend was saying to me today, Danny was saying, she, because she listens to the show, you know, Rod, she liked yesterday's show, a great show, the All Russia show with Mark Sloboda and John Mark Dugan. But she's very curious. She thinks we'll be hearing from callers. And do you know who she wants to hear from specifically about Aiden Aslan? Because we talked to John Mark Dugan about Aiden Aslan. So she thinks a lot of people might call in. Do you know specifically? Guess this is how well Danny knows the show, but I know you you know the show very well. Who does Danny want to hear from for their opinion about Aiden Aslan? After yesterday, uh, Rod, I would believe it. I would believe she said uh, Ingrid. That is correct. You are correct, sir. You know how well Danny knows the show very well. What? Wait, what? What is that sentence? But you understand what I'm saying there. And Danny <laughs> actually, and let's do the boom first, Rod, and then I'll ask you a question. Rod, what's you're the listen, name of the you're show? Li- you're listening to the best show on the radio, The Backstory. Now, Danny liked the uh, appearance by John Mark Dugan yesterday, and she said that she actually felt more sympathetic to Aiden Aslan. She was less sympathetic going into that segment. And after hearing John Mark Dugan, she felt a little more sympathy for him as a human being. Did you, what, what did you think, Rod, yesterday of John Mark Dugan talking about convicted Foreign mercenary, Aiden Aslan. Rod, I gotta agree with uh, with Danny. Uh, it changed me a, a slight bit too, League, because uh, it was a long form. You know, it was an hour sit down between uh, John Mark Dugan and uh, Aiden. It wasn't you know uh, edited, so you got to hear from him longer and without any edits. And I got the same uh, analysis that John Mark Dugan got. He's not. He doesn't seem, you know, not to judge anybody on intelligence, but he just doesn't seem like the you know, the brightest bulb. So, um, it, I, I could see a little bit of where he could have been, uh, deceptively led into this, you know, just a little bit, but I mean, he's been in there since 2017, I believe in Ukraine. So, you know, eventually you're going to see some stuff of, uh, that would have led you to believe that, Hey, maybe, maybe there is some Nazism here that, that I hear about. Um, but yeah, I, I just, it, it was enlightening to see, to see that. And, uh, you know, it was kind of funny to hear him, uh, not funny in a, in a, Highway, but just to you know, sing the national anthem and he, and he the Russian national anthem, and it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, like I say, like John said, stro- strong singing voice. It's not a, it wasn't pretty, but it was, it was bold. He could do well in musical theater, along with our former minister of information, Nina Yankovich. Would you like to see Aiden Aslan and Nina Yankovich? Doing My Fair Lady at a small community theater. What do you say, Rod? Uh, no, I, 
I would agree with you, Lee. Uh, can you imagine if they if those two had kids? You know that they'd be an opera singer. And Aiden has a U- Ukrainian, I believe, wife. But uh, but Command Central. Who do we have on? Uh, lo and behold, sure enough, five. 202-521-1320. Ingrid, you are online. Well, I wasn't going to call in today, but for Danny. She's very excited. She's she's literally clapping like a, like one of those street monkeys. You see, she was clapping like that. Go ahead, Ingrid. I have a very mixed take. And one reason I wasn't going to call was I didn't feel I could really criticize John Mark, without listening to that interview, and I've only listened to like 40 minutes of it, but I felt like what was in the interviews that I saw so far did not substantiate quite what he he, he was telling you yesterday. And in the interview, uh, um, what's his name, Aslan, goes into a lot of who's funding who and where weapons are going and what's been done. And uh, John Dugan learns a lot from him and compliments him on how much he knows. I do not get the impression that we're dealing with somebody that's like some kind of a a simpleton here. You know, he's, you know, no more than any average person, like, say, owl killer, you know. And so one of the things about John Mark is that. I don't even see. I didn't get the end of the interview, but why did he go? Why did why did what John John? Now the period when um, when Aslan went there it was like 2018, and this is not before things happened. Things were happening, but apparently there were fewer civilians killed during that period. So this is very fuzzy and gray, and I don't have a a strong take one way or the other. But I still think, I don't want to see the guy killed, no, but I still come down on, he should not get off light either. He should have a stiff sentence. How's that? No, well, it's great because it's your opinion, but, and we like that. I'm fine with people having different opinions. And I tried to, encapsulate the view that I've seen. And John's saying it too. Some people, you've seen this, surely. Some people do want them dead. And they're not so much pro-Ukraine as they're pro-law and order. Do, do you give that impression, Rod? Have you seen people who want him dead because that's what he was sentenced to? Do you know what I mean? Uh, Ingrid, have you noticed that? Actually, I mean, maybe I'm not on social media that you are, but I haven't noticed people wanting him dead, really. So what can I say? That's 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 why I asked Rod, because it is on social media, and it is an interesting barometer. But Ingrid, Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, Lee. I didn't know you. I, did, but I, have, I, have, I have seen that on social media. Yeah, I have seen it. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. But great call, Ingrid. Thanks for calling in. Danny was very happy. Now let's go 202-521-1320. Tarif, you're online. What's on your mind? Thank you for taking my call. I got quick five comments. I'm going to make them short. First, I'd like to say free Julian Assange. Um, China came out with a statement from the Global, well, excuse me, the Global Times, which is a mouthpiece for the Chinese government. Some people say that Pelosi 
which the third person in charge of the U.S. government, goes to Taiwan, China might have to respond in a um, certain type of way. And they say something about um, they might give a military response to the trip if Nancy Pelosi goes there. My second comment, Lavrov stated this, if the West supplies Kiev with long-range weapons, the geopolitical objectives of the special operation in Ukraine would move even further. My third comment, Draghi don't have any more support in the parliament in um, Italy anymore. So it's rumors that he might he might drop out in uh, mid-July or maybe August. Hang on, Trev. Let me explain that. Because if people aren't following that, I was going to talk about this. But you, since you brought it up, in Italy, Draghi was trying to quit as prime minister. Then, I mentioned this yesterday, they didn't want him to. The president didn't accept his, did not accept his resignation and is saying, I don't want you to quit. And, but he doesn't have the support he wants in the parliament of a coalition. And it's apparently a row, as they say in England, between the Five Star Movement and the elements on the right in the parliament. And apparently that coalition is breaking apart. Now Draghi is saying he will stay if the coalition comes together. But as Sharice pointing out, the coalition is not coming together. So it doesn't, it, it's, it's going to be a vote of some kind in the next 24 hours or so. And then after that, it looks like Draghi will leave. Is that what you're getting at, Tarif? Yeah, that's what um, that's what I take from reading the different articles. I know one of the major parties is a five star movement, but he got two other parties. So basically, he's losing um support in the government itself. So even though this is expressed, yeah, I, I've been talking about worldwide revolution for about two weeks, and leaders quitting or being thrown out in places like Sri Lanka. What's interesting is because there's no one clearly who's enthusiastic to take their place. And I've talked about that many times too. Because of that, some of them are getting pulled back in. You see that with Draghi not being able to resign. So like the Hotel California, you can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. Apparently once you're head of the country, you can't leave as easily. And I'll talk about it in relation to organized crime in a minute. But, okay, what's your next point, Tarif? Thanks thanks for letting me interrupt. I just wanted to fill out some of the, the details there. Go ahead, Tarif. The last comment, Alan McCurry has brought up something and some people have been tweeting out for the past day or so about rumors circulating in Ukraine that they had an assassination attempt on um, Zelensky. Alan McCurry said he can't really confirm it, but the sources that's putting it out is kind of reputable. So everybody's sitting back and wait to see if any more evidence is going to come out. If um, assassination, if, if an actual assassination attempt were actually was held against um, Zelensky, so we don't know. So we're sitting back waiting to see any evidence going to come out about that. That's it. Yes, and if it's factual, we'll bring it to you because obviously it's news. But uh, th- thanks, Sharif. Great call, as usual. But Zelensky is in political. And it's, this is more opaque because it's internal goings-on. 
But Zelensky initially said that he had fired the prosecutor general and the head of the SBU. I like the way Mark Sloboda says it, SBU. He pronounces the letters more Ukrainian than I do. But as an American, the SBU. Then a few, shortly later, later, a few hours, I think, he made a statement. I want to clarify, they weren't fired. They were dismissed. And apparently, Zelensky seems like he got pushback. He wanted to fire them. And people, apparently, because, you know, this is what's opaque. Apparently, there's some pushback. And I'd say Zelensky's under a lot of internal pressure. Obviously, those people leaving, including his childhood friend, who was the head of the SBU, I think it was the, I, no, I think he was the prosecutor general. I forget which. But it was one of the people who left was his childhood friend. And when you have to fire, oops, dismiss your best childhood friend, that's pressure. Now, the other statement, Rod, have you ever been following the deal about the turbine on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline that had to go to Canada to get fixed? Have you been following the turbine? Yeah, actually, today uh, I saw Putin made a statement that uh, Canada kind of played a little game with people politi- uh, as far as the media on telling them why they had to switch this uh, this uh, parts out. Now, so what the deal is, there's a turbine, apparently, that once a year needs to get maintenance. And it's on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline between Germany and Russia. Germany said, we can't fix that turbine. It's got to go back to Canada. But the deal was, for a while, they were saying, you can't send the turbine back. Why? Because Russia forbid it? A contraire, as the French might say. A contraire. Because of the stupid sanctions, the EU and the United States and Canada put against Russia. The EU and the United States and Canada put these sanctions on and because of their rules, is is that your understanding, Rod? Their rules. Uh, Russia, Russia didn't say, no, we're not going to fix that turbine. Their rules forbade it, right? Correctly. And uh, just to give you a quick uh, update, uh, Scotty has to leave early, so we were trying to bring her on early. She's on standby right now. Okay. Okay, I'll go to her in one sec. Well, actually, let's go to a short break. And we'll finish this story with Scotty. She may know something about it. Because this turbine, last night I saw Zelensky's commenting on a turbine. Right, did you see that? I I did not see Zelensky comment on it. I just, I just saw Putin's statements, which kind of made sense about everything. But I did not see Zelensky comment on it. Z- Zelensky's comments came, as far as I can tell, before Putin's. Let's go to Scotty. Let's take a short break. When we come back, Scotty Nell Hughes on The Backstory.
somewhere back in the back story and on the radio, 105.5 FM, AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. Joining us now, great friend of the show, host and analyst, Scotty Nell Hughes. Hey, Scotty, how you doing? I am doing fabulously, and I absolutely am enjoying uh, and I say enjoying, I, I am absolutely snarking at the headlines which are coming out involving the Nord Stream 1 project. And I just saw my own Senator Marsha Blackburn tweet out, well, oil is once again about to be flowing through the Nord Stream 1. This is a failure of the Biden administration uh, uh, to not open up our own gas lines and allow this to happen. Uh, Republicans and Democrats likely have egg on their face because it's not like they weren't told. You told them. I told them. The people who are actually, you know, that are, have any idea on geopolitical uh, politics within the world knew how this was going to go, how this was going to end. And when you're looking at Europe going into the winter, I mean, it's, it's okay somewhat in the summer, and half of their oil being reduced that is extremely dramatic. And you can know that world leaders, as we've already seen them start to collapse, you know, one by one, knew that their people were going to be in trouble. And for Ukraine to play this, but you should sacrifice your livelihood, your your standard of life for us. Meanwhile, while they're reopening all their rooftop bars and all these other places that they've made out to be desolate, is just quite laughable. Well, and that's why what I was about to say was for a while, the story on the, the turbine was they couldn't get it to Canada for repairs because of the sanctions. And so then Germany was under a lot of pressure by the people because they, they're counting on that pipeline, currently using it. They're using that pipeline. They've been using it for years. So Germany was under pressure and they were saying this deal with with Canada to figure out the sanctions is going too slow. Get it solved, right? So then they got the turbine over to Canada. And then Zelensky last night was complaining that the sanctions had been lifted for the turbine. And essentially, he doesn't care if Germany, people in Germany don't have gas, right, Scotty? Zelensky doesn't care about that. He was mad that the sanctions weren't followed. You saw that, right? Absolutely. He's angry that Canada sent over the turbine to Germany so that the German people uh, could have food, so they could heat their homes, so they could continue to have an economy. Because if the oil stopped flowing, you would see an economic collapse within the country, like we've seen in other areas. So gosh forbid a leader actually make good decisions based on their country, even if they've made a series of lax decisions, poor decisions on behalf of their country. I think, you know, I I really do think the entire world was going on, and I say the entire world, all of uh, the NATO was based in the fact that they thought that the U.S. had some sort of magic pill that was going to cause a collapse in Russia. And now that the reality is sinking in as to where what is really going to be happening is that Europe is going to have to pay the price for this U.S. proxy war that they've really instigated, that Biden has continuously from the very beginning tried to—, to, to guster up, 
uh, they're starting to realize we need to do damage control because this is going to cause some serious, uh, serious problems within our own communities very quickly. Well, and if you're the person putting on the sanctions, not not you, Scotty, but, you know, mm-hmm. a country. But if you're the person putting on the sanctions, don't complain when they come back and hurt you. If you bring out a giant sword and it cuts you, well, you brought out a giant sword. You brought out sanctions trying to hurt other countries. And if it hurts you, don't complain. Next time, don't do sanctions. You see what I'm saying, Scotty? I see what you're saying. Here's the thing that's always been with these Russian sanctions, and that was what, you know, outside of a, of a couple dozen really nice yachts that were seized and some oligarchs trying to figure out uh, the reality of it is that when those sanctions were imposed, it wasn't going to hurt Russia. Russia's always been very self-standing. Anybody that knows anything uh, besides that it have their own agenda, you actually know about what how, how Russia, and I'll be the first to say I'm still very much a novice at it, but I do know enough that the country has been very, has worked very hard to become self-reliant. They knew that at one, some point, uh, being the largest country and the, and the second largest nuclear power, that the world could potentially, uh, you know, turn on them. Uh, and this is what, and they were prepared for this. The world was not, however, prepared to cut themselves off from Russia. And I don't think uh, the world realized many countries, including the United States, realized how much that they relied on economic trade, economic, um, economic uh, stability coming, flowing to and from Russia on multiple levels and how many other countries did as well, especially when it came to natural resources and oil. It, it really doesn't take, you know, Einstein to figure out that this was going to be a lot more harsh on the countries issuing the sanctions than on Russia itself. Not saying that Russia isn't suffering, but it's nowhere near to the extent that these other European countries are dealing with. Well, and Scotty, because uh, you worked in the news business, the same as, you know, as I do, I'm sure I watch, I tell you, I watch more mainstream media than I would if I were just me not working in news. Don't you? Because you, you need to see what the mainstream media is saying. Right. I don't like to admit it, but surely I'll, I'll just for you. I'll say yes. That's that's. I don't. I just to see what they're saying and the take that they have. Yes, and and it's hard. But here's what I know, and it comes back to the sanctions thing. The mainstream media, they have a consistent narrative of the empire of lies. So, what I could tell what they're doing in their narrative. If you just follow the mainstream media and no independent media, you'd think the world is suffering because Russia is waging economic war against the West. You'd think like Russia's going, oh, we're not going to sell you gas or oil to screw up your economy. You'd think Russia was refusing to sell gas and oil to Europe to punish them. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's crazy. We we know the truth, but I swear that's the mainstream media's narrative. Have you seen that in the mainstream media at all, Scotty, blaming Russia for the economic war? Lee, you're absolutely correct. What else would you expect from a front of the Democrat National Party here in the United States and the Biden administration? That's all that they are. They're the official PR house. And so they're going to say exactly what you're seeing being the talking points coming from the Oval Office, from, I don't know, necessarily Biden, but from his staff. And the fact is that, you know, you continue even today, 
uh, you're, you're seeing these stories. Oh, look at the Russian bombings. They did this family and this school and this. Meanwhile, I love it. A CNN report that came out said, you know, this was the rooftop bar has opened once again, where we broadcast from six months ago. It's like, yes, the bars are open again on the roof of Kiev. And yet they're going, the U.S. Embassy saying all U.S. citizens should get out. Um, didn't they say that six months ago? Like, weren't they, haven't they been saying that? All, like, there's always some sort of fresh way to make it look like that in one way that not only is Ukraine winning, which if anybody actually is paying attention knows that they're not. But second, that in the long term that Ukraine actually has a plan other than uh, complete, I don't even use the word extortion, but taking their portion of the money that is being funneled through their country back to the U.S. I mean, Lee, the un- I, I still cannot imagine the fact of all of the, the billions that are going to Ukraine and will continue to go through Ukraine without any sort of appropriation oversight. And Joe Biden doesn't have to do anything now with Congress. He can just, he has literally a blank check. And the fact that this Congress, including the Republicans, allowed this to happen is one of the biggest tragedies and travesties that our generation has ever done, because we know this is only going to hurt the future economic stability of the majority of Americans, maybe not the political class, but the majority of Americans moving forward. Now, I'd like to change topic, and, and great, great points, Scotty. Uh, I'd like to talk about my former boss, a man who <laughs> once threatened to strangle me. Do you know that, Scotty? I did not know that you guys had a little, you had a little wrestling competition. I did something he didn't like. And printed the truth. You know what I did? I got, I got called by David Webb on Sirius XM. Do you know David? Yes, I do know David. Yes. So David is a friend. He he was friends with me and Andrew Breitbart. And after Andrew died, David said, Lee, would you come on the show? And it was natural because he's a friend. And of course, I said yes. Well, I didn't get permission from Bannon. And Bannon didn't want people doing any media appearances without permission. So I said, Strand, I'll strangle you next time you do that. After I heard heard I was on David's show. So that's the story, Scotty. Pretty good one. That's right. That's it. That's a good story. But I know where you're going with this, considering Steve Bannon is now he just delivered this fiery uh, standoff speech as Steve Bannon would do in front of the courthouses there. Probably, uh, whether you like Steve Bannon or not or agree with him, in this case, there is no doubt that he is probably going to jail, uh, considering the courtroom that he's about to have appear into and the fact that the DOJ is now working hand-in-hand with the J6 committee. Uh, I think Steve Bannon is going to see some time in jail. I'd be shocked if he didn't. But let's hear uh, some uh, clip of this. We have that clip ready. But I apologize for the audio quality. Rod and I look for a better clip in terms of the audio quality. And what's ironic, and I have to point this out because you can't see it, but if you were seeing this clip, Steve Bannon is standing in front of like 20, I'm not joking, like 20 microphones right in front of his face. So I've got to believe there's at least 20 people who got better recording but we couldn't find it anywhere. And they don't want to, I know it's hard to find even on YouTube what Bannon said. All you can find is what the mainstream media said he said. 
but I couldn't find the raw clip. And that's why Rupley was such a great service. They just published raw video. But let's play the clip, Scotty. Here's Steve Bannon yelling outside the court yesterday. Play it. In the lead up to it, I challenge Benny Thompson today to have the courage to come to this courthouse. If he's going to charge somebody with a crime, he's going to be man enough to show up here or send somebody like Shifty Schiff or Fang Fang Swalwell. Or send Liz Cheney, send somebody to that committee that has the guts to come here and accuse somebody of a crime. It is outrageous. And for them to sit there and try to get a complete hearing, and they won't bring in any testimony, any testimony about FBI involvement, any testimony about DHS involvement, any testimony about any other involvement, and what's driving this. The total and complete illegitimacy of Joe Biden. Trump won. Joe Biden illegitimate. 50% of the American people believe that today, and they believe that not from hearing from Main Street media, from our great colleagues in the media, because they won't show any of it. That information has been suppressed from day one, but almost 50% of the American people believe it. You can't govern this country if you're not with this legitimate. This is why no head of state in the world treats him with any respect. This is why the Chinese Communist Party treats him with no respect. This is why the Saudis embarrass him and humiliate him while he's over with the fist bump. You don't do that to a legitimate president of the United States. We have a constitutional crisis in this nation right now, and they're charging me with a crime. Have the guts and the courage, the guts and the courage to show up here and say exactly why it's a crime. Benny Thompson is a total, absolute disgrace. Now, that's a belligerent Irishman. I got to say that, Scotty. Now, I can make fun of Steve and do, but I I agree with most of what he said. What do you think of what he actually said there, Scotty? Lee, like I said, we can have our disagreements with him and we can talk about, you know, how he's always tried to do things to grandstand. But in this case, uh, I have to be honest with you, Lee, he is being targeted. But here is my new theory, and, and it only occurred to me with, the fact that they're using the DOJ to target to, to what they've done to him, we're arresting him. And like I said, he will probably go to jail because he's in a DC courtroom. And we have seen these juries have not been fair. Um, if anything, they always have tied to some politician somewhere. But it's here's my new thought process in this. Because if you notice the people, I mean, they went at the airport with Peter Navarro. They literally made a huge scene with him, you know, uh, when he was about to get on the plane. He's like, if you just told me, I would have showed up. You're like, you know, why are you surrounding me with men pointing their guns at me as I'm getting on a plane, a domestic flight, just to go on a vacation? Like, the, the way that they're doing this, they're making it such a circus that raised a lot of red flags to me. It's not the people that they're taking out, that they're, they're putting, that they're making these big shows with. Those aren't the ones that are, that we should be worried about. I have to wonder, why are you choosing Steve Bannon and not Kellyanne Conway? Why are you choosing Katrina Pearson and getting her texts and taking her texts that she has and, and subpoenaing those, but you're not subpoenaing the text of, oh, I don't know, uh, the chief of staff and Reince Priebus and Sean Spicer. All of those, what I really think a line is being divided and shown right now because they're not going after the ones that supposedly had, and we know, Lee, you know these folks, that had the power within the Trump administration even up until the last day. Why aren't they going after them? 
why are they taking out the ones that I'd actually consider to be more in the conservative movement are the ones that are being uh, that are having to pay millions in. Well, let me say this. Uh, $500,000 was an easy estimate. I was told of what it was costing those with attorney fees in order to once they are subpoenaed by the J6 committee. And I really think this has not only to do with 2024, but taking out a lot of those grassroots individuals. And let me tell you, some of them probably deserve to be questioned. Like I have, you know, some of them I have hard time getting sympathy for. But I think we're seeing a real storyline develop that the either the swamp, uh, we can now identify who the swamp creatures are within the Republican Party, or we can identify those that made a deal with the Democrats and have been feeding them and leaking them information all the whole entire time of the Trump administration. Because I have to tell you, the real people who had power in the White House are not the ones that are being subpoenaed. And I know you got to go, Scotty, but I'm sure I'm pretty sure you agree with me. Not sure, sure, but pretty sure that, like you said, I agree with you. There's a story to be told here. Congress should investigate it. But this committee, a totally one-sided committee, is only investigating half a story. And among the half that they're not investigating, the name Ray Epps. Um, Scott, do you agree with me on the name Ray Epps? Absolutely. And, and the fact that the New York Times does this great fluff piece on him. It's like, okay, anytime the New York Times uh, does a great fluff piece on what they consider someone who is attending the event, that should be a major red flag as to there was more involved with this individual. And I'm going to say it again, Lee, it'll be my final word. If the DOJ and our, our special intelligence, our intelligence here in the country really cared about what happened on January 6th and this committee, we would know who placed bombs in front of the two political committees, the RNC and the DNC, and yet there is nothing that tells us who that was. That is domestic terrorism, and I don't know why we're not actually trying to figure out who was responsible for that, because I think that would actually un, uh, would be the key that would turn over exactly who's behind all of this. And Scotty, great talking to you as usual, and, and sorry I got you a little late, but we'll talk to you next time, Scotty Nell Hughes. Thanks for being on the show. Let's take a short break. We'll come back and I'll rant on my own a little bit more. And we're taking your calls, 202-521-1320. But don't call till after the top of the hour because there's not, not, not enough time to do justice to a call. So let's take a short break on the backstory. are back on the backstory 105.5 fm am 1390 in washington dc so great segment with scotty a rod i always enjoy talking to her yeah scotty always brings it and uh she was definitely right about steve bannon uh in that instance yes and i will say prison will be an upgrade for steve bannon's grooming and wardrobe okay fine but that doesn't mean I want to see him locked in a cage, even though we'll help him dress better and we'll help with his occasional. You know, nowadays, Rod, we're in Steve Bannon's Johnny Cash phase. 
Have you noticed that? His current wardrobe is Undertaker slash Man in Black. You notice he's doing the dress all in black thing and sort of a button-up shirt and maybe a jacket over it, and it's all black. Have you seen what Steve Bannon's up to in Black Clothes Matter, Rod? <laughs> um, you know, I don't see him too often. You know, obviously he's kind of... Uh shadow band himself on uh, social media even if people post about it but uh the, the times i do see him yet yeah, i see what you're saying and also it is summertime so you know he'll be back to his multi-layer best uh suit look no I, his old look can best be described as rumpled his old look is a pair of cargo shorts and i'm not knocking the cargo shorts because i wear them because I like having lots of pockets. So I don't, you know what it is, right? Here's a secret on getting old. I'm going to give you a hint. When you're blind, as I am now, my eyesight is really bad. It helps. Here's a hint on being blind, Rod. Put things where you can easily remember them because you can't find things a lot of times by sight. You have to go, Oh, I put the battery charger up here in on the left. Does it make sense? You have to find things by touch and not sight. Right. So uh, I'm not cargo shorts are a good way to do that. You have lots of pockets and you can put everything you need and you find it easily. But Ben, I know what his excuse was. His wardrobe used to be Cargo shorts, some shirts or windbreakers or whatever on top, and then a pile of newspapers and magazines. Have you ever seen a foot footage, a photo of Steve Bannon maybe from back in the day when it was cargo shorts, stuff on his chest, and about 10 pounds of newspapers and magazines? Have you seen that, Rod? No, I never, I never seen that one. Because you, you, it, it won't be hard to find. That was the quintessential sloppy Steve phase, and that's the way he used to when he was hosting the Breitbart News Radio Show, and Bannon was on with Trump on the radio show a number of times with Trump in studio. So before he was the campaign manager of Trump. Trump knew who Steve was and had seen how he dresses or doesn't. Does it make sense, Rod? Yeah, to me, he kind of dressed like a wealthy homeless man, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, because he is wealthy. He's very wealthy. It's that Goldman Sachs money. You know where he made his, you know, his big claim to financial fame, Rod. Do you know movie what he made? Industry, right? movie What's industry. that? Wait, say it again, Ron. Movie industry. Yes. Do you know specifically what? There's one word you can say. No, I don't know off the top of my head. Seinfeld. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Do you remember that? Of course. The story is Steve was doing what Goldman Sachs does when he was working for Goldman. And, you know, closing deals and leverage buyouts and blah, blah, blah. Other words, I don't really know what they mean. But 
the production company that owns the Seinfeld show. In other words, a lot of times you'll have a, a show's got a production company. It's the corporate entity that's responsible for making a show, you know, hiring the crew and so on. And it, it's like a corporation. It brings money in and the money that the production company was making was every time Seinfeld played in syndication. And imagine that everyone knows Seinfeld is a monster in syndication. You can find Seinfeld reruns on at any time of the day or night. Does it make sense, Rod? There's a lot of money in Seinfeld reruns. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. It's been it's been on for decades now. So what happened was that wasn't clear at the time Goldman with Steve Bannon was doing his buyout. So he offered on this deal, rather than pay my commission, why don't you pay me partially in stock from this production company? So he got a stock deal at Goldman for the production company from Seinfeld. So every time Seinfeld rerun comes on, just think, cha-ching, just think of the, that's the hardest sound to do when you've had a stroke. But the cha-ching sound, I might as well rattle coins, but I don't have any. But the cha-ching sound, that's Bannon making buck every time Seinfeld runs in syndication. Is that clear, Rod? No, yes, that's real clearly. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And it's kind of scammy. Like, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, if I don't just get through a deal helping a client and then go, oh, I'll take part of the company. Does that seem kind of weird? Yeah, but you know the that Wall Street business and all that gets kind of shady. I have a, uh, a relative who's involved in that, and uh, even when I when I used to ask them what he did, they they kind of uh, never really answered clearly. So I, I understand it's a real shady business. And do you want some some gossip? But this is I'll, this is a true story. I've never told publicly about C. Bannon before, but it's absolutely true. I swear. So Bannon, you know, I've had his cell phone for years. And uh, back when he was, so 10 years ago, after Andrew Breitbart died, Bannon took over the company under slightly shady circumstances. But that's not the story I'm going to tell. And uh, so I've known him a while. And one day, a couple of years ago, is this, a, this is gossip, not a big story. This is not a huge payoff. But I noticed he still had the same cell phone number he had for 10 years, which is a 310 cell phone number, which is Hollywood, California. And Bannon had never lived in California that I know. So I said to him, Steve, why do you still have a 3 
10 number. And he said to me, Stranahan for the ladies. So Steve kept a 310 number so he could hit on chicks with his 310 number and be Hollywood Steve Bannon. True story, Rod. What do you think? <laughs> Interesting. That's, that's all I can say. So we'll take a short break and we'll be back on the backstory. the truth in the empire of lies this is a show that brings you the truth behind the headlines i'm investigative journalist lee stranahan and this is the backstory thanks again to scotty and all Hughes. great fun appearance in the first hour coming up this hour one of the most widely read publishers in all of indie news media. Jim Hoff from Gateway Pundit joining us. And we're taking your calls, 202-521-1320. This is a backstory. Now, Rod, I had to get, we're running out of time, so I got to the punchline quick, quickly on my story, but I wanna make sure it's clear. I asked Bannon why he still had a Hollywood, California phone number. And he said, for ladies. And the implication was, I'm going to unpack that, is that when Steve Bannon is, you know, down at the end of the bar and it's closing time. Can you picture this, Rod? It's closing time. And Steve Bannon is ready to hand out his digits. Is that what the kids call it? You're about to get Bannon's digits. That's hard to say when you've had a stroke you can picture. But Bannon's digits, that should be one of those phrases I use in speech therapy as a tester. Bannon's digits. Okay, that he was going after the kind of woman, he was going after Amber Heard, basically. Does that make sense, Rod? He was trying to attract Amber Heard, who would be impressed. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you, Lee. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to uh, knock you off your story, but uh, um, just to add to that, uh, I guess, you know, he could have also given his number to Huma Abedin, you know, and used that because now she's dating Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yes. Really? That's. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Anthony Weiner came in and talked about it. He said he wants them to be happy. <laughs> that's humiliating for Weiner. Because I'll tell you a story. This is a, a true story, Rod. I had a friend, and we haven't been friends for a while, so I'm comfortable telling, telling a story because he'd probably be mad that I'm ripping a scab off a wound for him. But this friend of mine was dating a girl, and he was in California. He's a guy I did improv with. And his girlfriend, do you know his, his girlfriend, you know, People, you're dating someone, they break up with you. You hear they're going out with someone else. That happens, right, Rod? But life is long. His girlfriend left him for guess who, Rod? And this is in the 90s. For Kevin Costner. Oh, there's nothing you can do about that. 
It, right. Exactly right. That's what I'm saying. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm a jerk. I admit that. I'm a vicious jerk. But when my friend said, I said, how's it going? This is back in the 90s. He said, horrible. My, you know, my girlfriend left me. She's going on with Kevin Costner now. And my immediate reaction was, well, you're not getting her back. And I said it out loud, which is why I'm an idiot. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sure Anthony Weiner had that feeling. There are some people, if you hear your girlfriend is now going out with him, that girlfriend's not, she's not leaving Kevin Costner for you. Sorry. And Anthony, she's not leaving Brad Cooper for a wiener, right? Rod, fair enough? <laughs> no, no, not at all. She stay, she's staying with the Coop, with Bradley Cooper. Yes. Now, uh, but we were talking about the heat before, but don't worry. Joe Biden is going to solve everything. If you're hot, he will stand next to you with a fan and be ominously too close to your hair. But that's just a, a side effect of sitting near you with a fan. Let's play the clip. Joe Biden springs into action because it's hot and in the news. Hit it. Climate change is an emergency. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to use the power I have as president to turn these words into formal, official government actions through the appropriate proclamations, executive orders, and regulatory power that a president possesses. I, you know, I've, I've been, have you ever been in utter heat? I'll tell you the most miserable heat experience I have. Years ago, I was standing, I was just doing nothing. And this is about when I was 20 or so. And some guys pulled up on a truck and said, do you, do you want to do hot tar roofing? And I'd never done hot tar roofing. Have you ever done that, Rod? No. Okay. But you've been walking by building sites where they're doing stuff with tar, right? Correct. And you smelled it. Yes, I'm guessing. It's a strong smell, yes. real strong. And it wasn't something you smelled and said, I'd like to stand working in the middle of that in the hot sun for hours. Did that occur to you at any point, smelling hot tar roof tar? No, no, not at all. And so that was the hottest experience I had. But isn't Joe Biden like a superhero? And he uses superhero terms, too. You notice, Rod, he's kind of sounding like a Marvel movie. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, Lee, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely I get, I get what you're saying. He's Captain Planet. He's Captain Planet. He's coming to save, he's coming to save everybody, you know? Yes, that's right. Um, and it's, you know what they're going to do? is passed legislation. That's, he said it. We're going to put legislation forward. And I've, if, if you've been miserable hot, maybe the AC's broke down or something, and sat on the couch, sweating your butt off, and thinking, I could use, sir, use some legislation to cool me off. What I need is legislation to cool me. Rod? Lee, that is, that is exactly what I was thinking today. You know, all we need is some legislation just to cool us off. It'll fix everything. You know, this heat, this heat, you know, forget AC. You just need Biden to sign off on something, and that'll make everything better. I, I, mean, I was just thinking that earlier today, so you read my mind. The thing about legislation, get the five-ply stuff. 
It's very absorbent. It, that's the best legislation. It, the most lobbying money goes for that because it's very good. It's absorbent and comfy, cottony almost, the best legislation. But he said it over and over, not I'll make it cooler, but he imagines he's doing a speech for sweating people, sweltering. Oh, now I can get them to care about climate change. Since it's hot, perhaps they'll listen to me. I mean, am I right? This legislation is because his people knows it's really freaking hot out. A lot of people don't want to walk down to the car. It's too hot. And perhaps if you bring this, you know, stuff you're going to do, all these actions, if you bring them now, they'll notice. Am I right on the main strategy there, Rod? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Lee, on that. Um, this is all fantasy. It's all big fantasy. And I, I kind of, what I've done over, like, probably about, uh, probably, I guess, when uh, the military operation started in uh, Ukraine, I uh, I just, uh, whatever Biden's saying, I just supplant and, and, and imagine it's Obama. Because it, this, to me, it just seems like Obama's third term, and Biden is just a figurehead of it. You know, this he's just an empty vassal saying these words. Well, the way Biden talks, it feels more like Obama's 50th term. You know, I think the math works out right there. 50 times four. Yeah, that's about Biden's age. I don't have a calculator, but that's about right. Very old. If you try to calculate Joe Biden's age on an old calculator, they'll break Rod. Don't do it. He's an old man. And he sounds it. And I heard Sean Blackman from by any means necessary, say the other day, and I thought about it. Sean's one of those people like me. When the subject of Biden age first came up, at first I was like, I don't really want to pick on someone for their age, because absent some evidence that their age affects them, I don't want to bring them up, up as an issue because I don't care. Does that make sense? But then Joe Biden. Hats off. You convinced me. You've convinced me, Joe Biden, that your age is an issue. And it's an issue because there's too many examples. And I've seen you speaking to reporters extemporaneously. And you notice the only time that's worse when Biden goes off script fraud. Do you know what's that? The worst time that's worse the money goes off off script. Uh, I would say when he tries to stay on script, he tries to read the teleprompter. Bingo. That's why I repeated off script twice. When he goes on script, when he goes literally on script, I like it when he reads things off cards or teleprompters. And there's obviously, you know, well, I'm thankful to be here among you fine people in all caps. Dallas, exclamation point, exclamation point, open parentheses, Mr. President, do not read these notes. They're designed only for assistance that you will not read out loud. All caps, stop, all caps, reading, exclamation point, close parentheses. It's great to be here. And you see, see what I'm saying, right? He reads everything. And you've seen about five examples of that, right? 
Yeah, Lee, he also had the uh, the cue card, which he flipped over, and everybody could take a picture of it, where it's his staffers or whatever telling him, this is when you, in all caps, sit down, and you stop talking. So, you know, I mean, they're literally like a baby, you know, just uh, like a little toddler, you know, just leading him into these, into these conferences, into these press conferences, and he can't even stay on script. Well, see, I, I would think this would be a sentiment that, a large number of people will agree with me with is bipartisan. I think too, Rod, yet it's not bipartisan in the current era. It's controversial for me to say this with members of a certain political party, but I think we would all like to think that we get up a president who's not literally reading instructions of a small card that was handed to him by people who control him. Right. I mean, that's a bare minimum, right? No, I, like, I agree with you. And and it should be nonpartisan, yet that would be elder abuse and get me thrown on Twitter. Does that make sense, Rod? Yeah, if you were on MSNBC, they tell you to stop mentioning his age and just get over it. And that's how low we've reached. That's how low the stick is for what people... And I, I'm going to repeat something else. This is actually controversial. I say all the time, I'm critical of both political parties. I'm critical of the Democrats and the Republicans. And I think I make that clear. I'm critical and say stuff against the GOP DeSantis. But I don't think I'm unfair. I think I'm just fair. And... If I have a criticism of DeSantis, for instance, I'll say it. Right, Rod? I think I go after Republicans a fair amount. Yeah, we we, we had played his clip of, uh, what country was it, Lee? Was it um, Colombia, where he was talking yeah. about the, the people of Colombia and Florida? And he's pretty much sticking his nose in something he had no business talking about. And so I'm going to say something, and I, I, I need to reiterate that because— I walk it like I talk it here. So here's what I'll say. Both political parties are corrupt. Both parties are bad. Absolutely. A lot of blame goes around. When I look at foreign policy, there's a lot of bad Republicans. Both political parties are bad, but the Democrats are worse. And it's that little addendum there at the end, but the Democrats are worse, that I will absolutely stick to I'm convinced it's true, but it's controversial because people say, well, you're not being bipartisan then. No, it's just as despicable as the Republicans are. The Democrats are despicable in the same way, in every way, but worse. Do you agree, Rod, with my controversial sentiment? It's not about the Republicans are awesome, but how bad the Democrats are. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you that, Lee. Uh, you know, I come from Philly, you know, a city that's been run by Democrats for far too long. It's total Democrat control. There is no, you know, a, there is a guy, his name is David O., who's a Philadelphia councilman, who's a Republican, but, um, you know, he might as well be a Democrat. He's a rhino. But just to just to uh, double down on that, you know, look look at the crime that's going around all in all these Democratic cities led by Democratic mayors and, and, and whatnot. And what do they do? They blame the shift and say, well, it's a red state. That's that's how they shift the blame. It's a red state, so it's not our fault. 
Well, an example of what I'm talking about is every accusation they make is true about them. Everything they accuse the Republicans of, the Democrats have all of those check boxes and more. And more. But here's an example of the accusation they make. You know, Rod, of course, they call Republicans tacitly and explicitly they're racist, right? Republicans are racist. That's a, a cliche from Democrats, right? Yeah, of course. And if you look into the history of racism in this country, the KKK was a Democrat organization, right? And Dixiecrats, yeah. Yeah. And Margaret Sanger, not only the leader of Planned Parenthood, but one of the biggest funding organizations for Democrats, Margaret Sanger was not only pro-abortion, she was pro-abortion because she was a racist who spoke to the KKK in New Jersey. She was explicitly a racist. And she's one of, she's like a hero to Democrats. Have you noticed that, Rod? Yeah, Lee, I don't know if you remember leading up to the 2020 election, uh, while Elizabeth Warren was still in it, she said when she gets in the office, she's going to be the first, uh, besides being the first woman president, she was going to be the first president to wear a uh, Planned Parenthood scarf in the Oval Office. Yes. The accusation of racism against Republicans, when you find out what's actually historically happened, the KKK being a wing, uh, an, it was basically an action group that was put out by the Democrats, right? You've seen that history, Rod, the KKK's history with the Democratic Party. Yeah, no, it's very extensive. I mean, you can't uh, you can't cover this up. I mean, obviously, they delete history and try to uh, shift shift your uh, attention, but no, it's it's very explicit. I actually talked to someone who's a guest on the show who's not from this country, but it's a very well-informed person, very smart, but they're not from America. And I said something we were talking about at some point off air. She did not know that Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. Think about that. And it makes sense to me. But why would someone given all of the PR about who the racists are, think Abraham Lincoln was anything but a Democrat. Does that make sense, Ron? Yeah, no, I've been asked these same questions from people who don't live in America or off air as well, Lee. Like, uh, you know, uh, again, lead up to 2020 election, people, I was asked, why do black Americans vote for Joe Biden while he's saying racist things? And, you know, I, I had to explain that, you know, that's just the media. So that's why I say, when they make accusations, actually, often, the things that the Democrats accuse Republicans of, often, they're very guilty of it themselves. And I've seen this over and over. A minor example, but the quick one that people like to bring up, is when people fly in private jets to a environmental conference, and just hypocrisy, right? And in other words, they're accusing from their private jets. What they're saying in Europe, for instance, 
is get ready to face immediate 15%. And they're making it voluntary now, but they apparently are thinking about legislating it. 15% cuts in energy use, and they're flying in their private jet to an environmental conference. It seems all hypocritical to some people. And in other words, everything they accuse the Republicans of, it's true about them in spades. And do you see that, Rod? Yeah, no, for sure, Lee. I mean, all that stuff is very evident. Um, just to, uh, I guess it was the end of last week, we found out Nancy Pelosi and her husband were making a lot of money off this uh, the semiconductor. But Nancy Pelosi was just number five on the list of uh, politicians making money off of it. The first four were all Republicans who were making the most money. So, you know, obviously Nancy Pelosi's uh, got a big name, and that's going to draw a lot of headlines. But the first four people making money off of that are all Republicans. Now, speaking of uh, the way the media works, I'm going to tell you something else I noticed. And I'm going to repeat to you as nearly as I can uh, the part of the phrase and see what pops out of you, Rod. See, when I say this headline, if you are able to detect media bias, I detected a weird form of media bias that's common. So have a listen to what I heard. In New Mexico's protesters appeared in Las Cruces opposing abortion rights. Recently, the state, okay, there you go. There's the headline. Did you hear anything there, Rod? I heard New Mexico and opposing uh, Las Cruces opposing abortion rights. Right. Does anything there sound like media bias? Mm, not necessarily. Well, it- I, I'm going to argue that the thing is media bias, and I think it's pretty subtle. So if I'm wrong, tell me. Abortion, people who protest abortion rights. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. The people who are out on picket line and pro-life are not against abortion rights. They're against abortion. They're not worried about what rights people have. They're worried about killing babies. And to say anti-abortion protesters, the Democrats don't want to admit. A lot of the people, they they try to say, oh, they're they're not pro-abortion. They're pro-choice. Have you noticed the Democrats get very upset, a lot of them, if you say pro-life and they say you're there, you're pro-abortion? No, 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 I'm pro-choice. Have you noticed that, Rod? They like to be called pro-choice, not pro-abortion. Yeah, they want you, they want you to stay on code. Uh, so if you want you, once you get off that code uh, of pro-choice, they get very upset, yeah. But if you notice the way they act, Libs of Tech Tech has a, a lot of, but pe- periodically you see women who talk in violent terms and are clearly pro-abortion. It, it, you've seen that, Rod, right? Some people who are clearly pro-abortion and they go out, out of their way to say how much they look forward to killing any baby they might have. Have you seen that, Rod? Yeah, Lee, I've seen that uh, too many times, especially in the past few years, and especially in the past couple of weeks. You know, you people putting out there, putting themselves out there, 
uh, well, women, let me not say people, but women put themselves out there that are saying, yeah, you know, we love killing our babies. And that's, uh, you know, love and kill and babies. So th- that three doesn't really mix well. And, you know, I think it's ironic and perhaps not ironic, makes sense, that the party who's on record as being the pro-abortion party has the biggest public scandals involving men being dogs. I'd say the top three, Clinton, we know what happened to him and Monica, Clinton, Weiner, enough said, and John Edwards, because it was a scandal where he got his mistress pregnant while he was running for president. And it's one thing to, you know, have a girlfriend or when you shouldn't be, according to the vows you took and according to your public persona. If someone wants to be the first polyamorous president, go for it. But until then, when you pretend to be prudes, stop acting like hypocrites. But do you think that Clinton, Weiner, and Edwards are the top three sex scandals in the pro-abortion party? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with those three right there. I wouldn't argue with that. I'm sorry. I wouldn't argue with those three right there. Do you remember? And well, well I'll I'll talk to Jim about this. I'll ask him a question. I'm going to ask him if he remembers the story from a few years ago that Planned Parenthood sponsored a party at night and gave out free condoms at the door. And this is an official Democrat party handing out free condoms at the door. The jokes write themselves. Well, let's take a short break. We'll be joined by Jim Hoft next on The Backstory. on the backstory and on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. Joining us now, someone I've known for, I think, 12 years now. Uh, And he's one of the most successful publishers in all of conservative or indie publishing. The Gateway Pundit is one of the most well-read sites in politics and among all indie media. Is that right, Jim? I think that's safe to say, yeah. Hi, Lee. Hi. So I I didn't want to say because Andrew Breitbart, the first time we met, he hired me to work, as you know, on the Pigford Black Farmer story. And what Andrew said at the time was he wanted to hire me, and I wrote for, and was a Democrat at the time, I wrote for HuffPost. And Andrew said the reason he hired me is he didn't want the story of Pigford to die in the conservative media ghetto. And do you, understand, you understand, of course, what he means by conservative media ghetto, right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, the establishment media, I assume. Um, and some of them are gone today, but uh, good for good for Andrew. He saw some talent. He picked you up when he could. Yes. And, and so I'm sure you, you – how many – 
what's your what what is your readership now at Gateway Pundit? It's astronomical. Yeah, last year, Lee, and as you know, we're uh, one of the most censored sites on the internet. But last year, we had uh, nearly a billion uh, page views, so uh, nine over nine hundred uh, million page views for the year. So. Uh, that put us right up there with several of the top uh, media outlets. In fact, I think we were ahead of a few of them. So uh, uh, it was a good year for us, and uh, we've grown every year despite all of the efforts of the uh, liberal uh, establishment. I guess I would include the uh, rhino establishment or um, just the establishment. They've tried to shut us down for several years, and we just continue to grow. Well, and one of the ways they try to get people not to read you is when the, the media covers you, when they do a story about you, or they may just mention you in a passing way in an article that the story was reported on Gateway Pundit. How have you seen yourself as a site described in the mainstream media? Do you see what I'm saying? How are you described in the mainstream media? You know, um, we're not alone in this, but uh, as you know, like, uh, if you go to our Wikipedia page for years, they've attacked us there. It's just got worse and worse. Uh, uh, you know, they could they could just call us Spawn of Satan um, because uh, they just write the most horrible things about us. Don't put anything about the awards we've won, the, the readership we have, the stories that we continue to break. Uh, you know, weekly, last week we had a huge story, Lee, about— um, the uh, FBI documents that we were able to publish um, actual documents from the FBI um, from one of their operatives who was embedded with the Proud Boys on January 6th. This was an FBI operative inside the Proud Boys. And his what's even more devastating and explosive is that in his report, he said the Proud Boys didn't plan anything. They weren't there to do violence. They were there. Uh, to do security, and he said they picked up, uh, after a few of them went inside, they picked up trash and left the building. And there was no plans for them to uh, storm the building, as we continue to hear day after day from the fake news. So uh, this didn't make any media outlets. Isn't that a, isn't that a shock? But we have the actual court documents, um, uh, and we put those up on Gateway Pundit. So we continue to break these types of stories, and the media gives us no credit, they ignore us, and they slander us, hoping that we'll just go away. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard the term right-wing conspiracy site. You've been called that once or twice? Uh, yeah, I think that's up there on our Wikipedia page. And here, here's a sinister thing about that, too. Um, you know, if they like you, if you're, if you're on the same team, they'll have a nice, favorable uh, description of you on Wikipedia. And then Facebook and Google use that description whenever somebody looks up uh, this media outlet. So it's the same way with Gateway Pundit. Gateway, uh, Facebook and Google use that description for anybody who searches Gateway Pundit. Um, uh, and so it's, it's, it immediately it comes up some nasty statement they have about us. Um, and like I said, regardless of the hundreds of stories we continue to break day after day, um, that the media, the mainstream media is not going to report. That's why... Just like you would expect in some uh, banana republic or communist regime, uh, they hide us, and yet people continue to take the extra effort, type in Gateway Pundit, find where we are, save us as a favorite, and, and our numbers continue to grow because they know they're getting the truth. It's just 
the human condition. You don't want to be lied to, right? And so people right. know the truth always rings, you know, in, in someone's, you know, when you're reading the truth, you, you can tell that. And so people continue to come back to Gateway Pundit. No, and you're, you're right. And there's people have to think about the astronomical amount, the ad revenue that mainstream media has. One way to think of mainstream media is not so much as the way the content, but the way they're funded. These are companies, whether you ideologically put, you know, CNN on this liberal spectrum of it's a moderate liberal site, establishment liberal site, you cannot not deny they're funded by a big corporation. That's an objective fact. And all these sites have billions of dollars behind them. Movie ads, restaurant ads, everything, everything goes through and they used to have a monopoly on it with the newspapers and TV stations. There were so few of them that they had monopoly on advertising. And so guys like Jim, independent publishers, are a real threat to them business-wise, not just ideologically. Do you, do you agree, Jim? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and that's why they also target our ad revenue. So. Yeah, it's 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 all uh, they they know what's going on, and uh, so they they certainly are um, targeting uh, websites like ours uh, every day. And Lee, it's one of the reasons we currently have this lawsuit that's going through the era, the Missouri and Louisiana Attorney General's office, and that is uh, that uh, we're we're. Uh, suing the Biden administration uh, because they've been colluding with the tech giants in censoring platforms like Gateway Pundit. And uh, we think we have a really strong case here. And the judge uh, this past week ruled that this case should proceed. So that's really good news for us. We have all the facts now, (laughs) you know, since we started doing our our court case, uh, again, that these are the state's attorneys general from uh, Missouri and Louisiana who have brought this forward. But since we started this case, there's been documents leaked that show that this is exactly what has been happening, that the government has been working with the tech giants, has been directing them on what stories they want them to stop, to crush, to censor, to ban, to block. And uh, so the evidence is all there. So I think things look really good for us if you know justice is served. But um, that's, that's part of the uh, war we're in, this information war. Uh, the big guys, you know, with the money, with the contacts, with the, um, w- with the uh, connections to government, with connections to big tech, they just want to silence any, any of us little guys who are out there. And, uh, you know, that, so that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're trying to destroy us, and it's, it's really tragic. You know, they can't beat us on ideas, so they— just want to, you know, uh, set this up and make us go away. Now, as someone who makes the news, isn't the era we're in a little weird to me? Uh, for instance, to me, for instance, uh, the story of Joe Biden, who clearly, provably, uh, none of this, the facts here are in doubt, correct? Joe Biden 
lied to the American public, said he knew nothing about his son's business activity. Then a laptop with information that contradicted what he'd said publicly appeared. And a major metropolitan newspaper was censored by high tech companies and 50 people who used to be with US intelligence said that laptop story is foreign propaganda, is Russian propaganda, and shut that down. It's the fact that it's later proven to be absolutely true. And that we have a sitting president who's probably got elected because people were told that that story about him was a lie. And turns out that all parts of it, including him knowing about Mings, him being there, is clearly true now. Isn't that weird that that's not ending his presidency? Jim, I mean, I mean, it's all clear, right? I think so. And you know what, Lee? We put up this, this story this morning. It's one of uh, Hunter Biden's text messages to Hallie Biden, who uh, he was dating, who was his, uh, his dead brother's uh, ex-wife, uh, his, his, his ex-brother's uh, widow. And here Hunter's dating her. He leaves his wife to go out with Hallie. And he writes, uh, he writes Hallie Biden, and he says, uh, he admits in this, this text that uh, uh, he had been uh, with, uh, making contracts with the Chinese, with top Chinese officials, with top Chinese communist officials. With, uh, with, uh, it, he also said that he believes that in this text message, and I should probably quote it absolutely correct, um, but he also says, that um, I, I'm going to pull it up here. That that uh, uh, he believes that the Chinese government scooped up 20 U.S. spies because of his actions. He writes the retaliation of the Chinese in the ouster and arrest of U.S. suspected CIA operatives inside China. He uh, he connects that in his in his email his his text message to his his lover. And here it is. It's all for everybody to see. And, uh, you know, there's been no, no uh, repercussions for the Bidens. It's really unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, could you imagine? Um, I, I put up this, this story last week. We, there's video, actually, from this laptop uh, from, from Hunter Biden's uh, app, uh, computers where he's sliding down a water slide, buck naked, um, cracked out. His, his prostitute friend is taking the video. They're laughing. And I'm thinking to myself, and I wrote this in the article, could you imagine if one of the Trump kids had this? I mean, we would never hear the end of it. And yet here, the media, you know, most people have never heard of this. The video is out there. This isn't something that we made up, right? And and the question is, what does it take for this dishonest media to finally report on the corruption and just vile behavior of this Biden family? It's, It's really unbelievable. Well, you just said exactly what I was trying to get to. Uh, the, the the emotion of feeling like, why isn't this front page news on everywhere, right? Well, you know, as a person who watches the news, I've never had a bigger point in time when my only response is, what more can you see? And what more can they say? What do you think, Jim? I think you're absolutely right. I'm just stunned. I mean, it's... It's 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 beyond parody. It's beyond Orwellian. It's just 
outright lies. And I, I believe that the fact that the media will not report this truth that is out there that everybody sees, um, I, I think is, is, um, is very dishonest. And I think it's one of the reasons, of course, that Americans are going to look elsewhere, you know, like any, any country would. They would look elsewhere if they're getting lied to like this. You know, if they see the president's son on a waterside, buck naked, cracked out, um, playing with himself and his hooker friend is laughing. I mean, this doesn't get any play. It's, it's really just totally unbelievable. And um, it, I think it also makes people angry because they know they're being lied to. And when you continue to, to be lied to, it just makes you angry and on edge. And I blame that on, uh, on the media. Right. For not doing their job and just reporting the truth just once in a while. Well, also, they're not just it's not just the information that don't give them. It's the narratives that they feed them. And it's so surreal. If I were to go back in a time machine, Jim, 10 years ago, and I would say, Jim, 10 years from now. There's going to be something that a lot of people talk about drag queen story hour. And I said to you, is that is that going to be a Saturday Night Live skit or a serious public issue that is defended by the Democrats? You would have said a skit, right? Drag Queen Story Hour Absolutely. in the future. Yes, of course. But you you see my point. It's so it's so absurd that it it doesn't seem like something that would be a real political issue. And yet, here we are. It is. Why is this going on? Well, you know, it's just like 10 years ago, too. Would you, would you have guessed that Twitter would have become so politicalized and that they would have uh, you know, been, been banning uh, that, that Twitter and Facebook and Google and Spotify and all these places would have been banning the president of the United States? I mean, no way would we have expected that. Well, of course, no way would we have expected that Donald Trump would have been president. But, uh, but uh, just the behavior of these tech giants, the ruthlessness. And, and you know, uh, Lee, it's not just in the United States, but these, these behemoths have also uh, been, been uh, censoring and banning and playing uh, favorites in countries around the world. And uh, it has to stop. These people, we, they're not elected people. They're, these are, you know, some leftists out in uh, Silicon Valley who are making these decisions and letting people know uh, what, what they can see and what they can't. Well, they're not letting people know, but they're, they're, they're the ones who are the gatekeepers. And uh, I don't think people even have that understanding. It, you know, when, when Facebook banned us after the 2016 election, and they didn't ban us, we still have an account, but... What they did was we were one of the top Trump-supporting uh, uh, websites, uh, the Harvard study, the Columbia Journalism Review, found that we were uh, you know, one of the top uh, you know, media websites that was behind Trump that, that helped uh, get him elected. And so they immediately banned us in 2017 in January. They just got rid of our traffic. They changed their algorithms. Nobody could see our stories anymore. And they did it gradually so that people didn't notice all at once. But now, you know, our traffic on Facebook is, is just nothing. You know, it's just, it's just a few here and there. And we have 600,000 followers. This is the kind of tricks they play. 
And uh, so if you're not one of their favorite people, you know, we had more traffic than CNN, I was told, uh, from Facebook in 2016. And now, of course, you know, you can't even barely find us on Facebook because they continue to censor us and ban us and strike us. Now they, they have this new technique where they pretend like it's fake news. And then they give you a strike. And then six months later, I find out, oh, they were wrong. We were right all along, you know, about the Wuhan uh, virus, the, uh, the laboratory-created virus, and uh, the, the death rates and the predictions and the vaccines and the problems people are having with the vaccines. You know, finds out we were 100% correct on those articles, but it's, it's too late. We've been banned, and this is what's happening today. So it's, um, it's really a scary time we're in where people can't choose themselves what they want to read. You know, when I was growing up, Lee, we had the National Enquirer, you know, and I'm not comparing Gateway Pundit to the National Enquirer, but we knew that that was some fake news, and, they, and people could choose to read it anyway if they wanted to. And, and uh, yet today we have these uh, elitists who, who want to censor what we can and cannot see, what we can and cannot read. It's, it's completely un-American. And uh, people need to, to wake up to this because it's only going to get worse unless it's stopped. Now, Jim, you, you just came back from England. Is that correct? Right. Just, just Were you on vac- vacation or business? Well, you know, I did some business while I was there. I, um, I had a private tour at the House of Lords. That was pretty cool. Um, and I... Uh, was in London for a few days. I spoke with uh, and did an interview with Tommy Robinson, who is a pretty prominent activist there. He's hated yes. by yeah, and uh, by the elites, that's for sure. So I did an interview with him. I met an author. Then I went up to St. Andrews in Scotland for two days of the British Open. And then I came back. Yes, wow. I did meet an author up in uh, St. Andrews while I was there. My father, my father and my mother, by the way, uh, this might creep you out a little bit, but you can handle it, Jim. My father and mother's ashes are spread at St. Andrews. Oh, how lovely. My, da- my dad was a golf pro, and after my parents died, my brother took their ashes over. He was going to Scotland to see Adam Ant, actually. And he was in Scotland, so I went to St. Andrews and spread their ashes. And I thought that was great. So, you know, I got to tell you, Lee, um, people go there, you know, every year. And uh, I met a caddy. He's actually an author now, but he, he was a caddy there for a long time. And he said, people are so excited to come to St. Andrews. They always have a story. They always talk about, you know, their family or their childhood or what got them there. But it's always a dream for people. So it's, it's, it's really a wonderful place, um, you know, especially for families that grew up around golf or knew some golfers. So, uh, you know, it, it is special. That's really a nice story, Lee, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, so you got out right before the hot weather hit, right? You got out of England before it got really hot in the past couple of days. Well, you know, we came back, thank goodness. I took a train on Monday. I had, of course, had to get my tickets a month and a half earlier. But I took the train back on Monday to London. And during our trip, they were notified they had to slow the trains down because it was so hot. So uh, the train was going, you know, uh, I think 50 miles an hour. I'm not sure what they usually go, but uh, it was much slower. So we got in a couple hours later than scheduled. But that was what they were doing on 
Monday. On, then, of course, on Tuesday when I flew back yesterday, that's where we started seeing fires break out, um, which didn't surprise me because, you know, you can tell when a place looks pretty dry and the grass is brown, you know. The, so it, it, it yeah. country was pretty pretty dry, so I wasn't surprised to hear about the fires. But, yeah, we got out. Yeah. Uh, and on time. And the footage, the footage was amazing because it was right next to the highway. You've seen the footage, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Now, Jim, the reason I asked whether it was business or per- per personal is uh, I have a broader question. As one person who is in the new business to another, when you go on vacation, can you disconnect from the news or do you find yourself? still checking in with all your updates because I find I can't really disconnect. If I go somewhere on vacation, I'm still checking the news feeds, maybe not quite as much, but I can't disconnect completely from the news. Jim, do you find you can let go and just enjoy yourself on vacation? Uh, well, it, it, I'm telling you, it's a challenge. Uh, I did have a good time, but um, yeah, I, uh, I started Gateway Pundit. I founded it. Um, I've been working it for I guess uh, 17, 18 years now, and so yeah, it's hard to step away. So I understand that completely. I still had one, you know, uh, one foot in the water the whole time, where I was trying to keep up on a few stories. Yeah, and that's the way it was, of course, for Andrew Breitbart. He was uh, the the week the the weekend the Anthony Weir story broke. He was supposed to be on a trip. It was Memorial Day weekend. Remember that. It broke on Memorial Day, and Andrew was on trip with his family, and he had promised his wife no news that weekend. And then the story that turned out to be one of the biggest stories of his career broke that weekend. So he had me researching stuff for him while he ducked down while she was into the convenience store getting ice cream or whatever. He was trying to do the story in secret because he, he, you know, I can't, I, I, and I envy people who can disconnect. And I know, I, I, have you ever met someone who can shut off the news when they're not on the job? I almost envy them. Jim? Yeah, yeah, I know um, uh, Glenn uh, Reynolds from Instapundit. He used to say, try to get away at least, you know, once a year and get away from everything. And he would do that and uh, come back and seem refreshed. So I think it's good advice. I've had, I've had trouble myself with that, but uh, um, yeah, I think, I think that's probably important. Uh, And that is something about Andrew. I mean, one of the biggest stories of his career, he was breaking. Well, as you said, he was, he was uh, spending some quality family time. So that was pretty amazing. You know, and he did spend the quality family time. Let me point out that, that he he didn't do what a lot of people would have done. That was said by kids, and they would have had it home over a story this big. He didn't do that, and and but he surreptitiously because the thing that was amazing about that story is Weiner at first people forget this now, not only denied that he sent a picture of his bulging underwear to a girl, but you remember. That he actually blamed, maybe it's Andrew Breitbart who hacked me. Do you remember that part where Weiner accused Andrew of hacking 
him? Yeah. Remember that? The media ran with that. Remember that? The media media ran with that like it was truth. It was just disgusting. Of course, you know, they were just as biased. Uh, we just didn't know it, I guess. But Andrew helped expose all that. Yeah, that was disgusting. No, it was amazing. It shows how far they would go uh, in their attacks on independent journalism. And, and Jim, you faced a lot of this yourself. And uh, uh, the, the reason I asked about your vacation, sort of, is what did you get a sense of in the last minute we get here of the mood politically of the people? Because you, 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 you talk to people, just the mood of the everyday person, what do they think about their politics right now? Jim? Well, you know, when I was in St. Andrews, I was talking to someone who was working there, just one of the workers, and uh, uh, he brought up the fact, uh, he actually brought it up, about uh, Steve Bannon being in this trial that's currently going on. He's like, that's just a show trial. They don't have anything. That's so un-American. So a lot of people, even in Europe, they're not, they're not, you know, fooled by the media, by the lies that the media keep telling and uh, and they're also, you know, like Joe Biden, he can't even finish his sentence. I mean, it, everybody sees it. They see it in Europe. They see it all over the world. Um, America's a laughing stop under, uh, under this president. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I, I think people aren't fooled with what's going on. And I think the mood in America right now is like something that we've, we haven't ever gone through. I, I, I really think so. I think I think this beats the energy of the Tea Party. It beats the energy of Trump. I think people are furious, and as they should be, the the border's wide open. We got the administration lying to us about it being closed. We have this inflation that's just off the charts, and most Americans are really hurting. You know, the elite— And, and you get the sense those people are the same kind of people that we're seeing in the truckers' convoy in Canada and in these Dutch truck—the uh, Dutch farmers' protests. Does it seem like the same kind of person? I think it's exactly the same type of person. I think the uh, the populace is is rising up against the elites in a lot of these countries as well. They should, um, you know, because the elites got us to this point. And uh, and in America, they're still doubling down. We see Joe Biden today just pushing his green energy plan as gas prices are at you know record high and have been for three months. It's disgusting. And that green energy plan, that that stuff is part of what's causing these things in Sri Lanka and Holland and spread to Germany. But I think the elites better watch out because their policies are starting to tick people off. You're seeing that, right, Jim? I think you're absolutely right. I think they better watch out. Jim Hoff from Gateway Pundit, thanks so, so much for being on. Great appearance. Scotty L. Hughes, great appearance. And all the callers, we'll be back tomorrow on The Backstory. Backstory.